0: It's Under the Dome Radio, the full discussion and fan feedback show for Season 3, Episode 4, entitled The Kinship, recorded July 10th,
1: 2015.
2: so much for tuning in to Under the Dome Radio. It's the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. It's episode 56, and you can find the show notes at underthedome slash 56. And if you want to share your feedback and be included in the next episode of the show, just go to underthedome slash feedback, coincidentally enough. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Check out our other podcast that'll help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx we're also sponsored by lynda.com lynd get yourself a 10-day free trial learn some new things like food blogging food photography and man it's making me hungry so go ahead now and visit lynda.com dome for details and me i'm at wayne henderson your voice acting podcasting green bay packers fan who wants his matrix life back uh, just the original matrix not the sequels though
0: Oh, but Neo made it so pleasant. Good evening, everyone. I am at Troy Heinrichs, and wow, I can't believe the season is 25% over already. I guess time flies when you live in a cocoon dream state.
2: That's what they always say.
0: Good evening, Sir Wayne. How are you, and what do we got on tap for tonight?
2: Well, I wish we had a nice, tall, frosty Hefeweizen, but instead, we've got this podcast. We've got some good stuff, and I'd like to jump Right to the listener feedback again, like I said last week, but we've got lots to cover. We're semi organized. We've got breaking news where we're going to include the ratings and tell you about things happening in and around Chester's Mill. Then we're going to take your requests and dedications where we close the loop on last week's show and any feedback that we might have missed. We'll also include the Under the Dome Clam of the Week and share your answers to the dome provoking question of the week from last week. Then, We're going on the air. We're going to talk about what we found, quote-unquote, interesting about the most recent episode of Under the Dome. Then it's on location where we get to chat with you, the hardcore fans of Under the Dome, with theories, voicemails, emails, feedback, and all that good stuff right before we give you an investigative report, which is the skinny on next week's episode. So there could be a few spoilery type things in there. Yeah, we'll keep them to a minimum. But let's go ahead and kick things off right now and see if things improved in the ratings department. Shall we, Troy?
0: We shall. But before we get to the ratings, this came in right over the newswire from our reporters at the newspaper here in town, the Chester's Mill Gazette. They sent us this piece of news that apparently during the filming of the season three cocoon scene where everybody comes back out at the end of the premiere, Mike Vogel says he was kind of just hanging out in his cocoon to film the big scene when it actually had technical difficulties. It was related to the dry ice that they were using to pump through the cool-looking TV prop. According to Babs, as Wayne likes to call him, or Barbie, as you know him, or Mike (laughs) Vogel, as the news reporters know him, they were pumping dry ice one second, he was actually breathing oxygen, and then another second, no oxygen at all. He had to punch his way out and ruin the cocoon in the process. Now, I know if you listen to our Under the Dome roundtable for season three, Wayne did say that he hoped Barbie would die on the show, but luckily, Mike was okay, ended up being totally fine and can joke about it now. But I guess Neil Bear was right at Comic-Con last year when he said that no character was off limits under the dome, even in real life. Watch out, Mike Vogel.
2: That is a heck of a story. And, you know, honestly and truly, we are thankful that Mike Vogel was not heard, that the actor is totally fine. But the creative writing team missed an opportunity to write Barbie out of the show right then and there. But we'll put that aside because I don't want to uh, upset, uh, you know, sensitive hearts. Well, it could have been
0: so, even a bigger writing opportunity because they could have had Julia just dive in and
2: rip it open and save his life. <laughs> <laughs> just improv the rest of the season. <laughs> Throw out the script and just see what happens. But with that being said, you know, CBS did win summer on Thursday yet again, thanks to its Big Bang and Big Brother lead-ins. However, it was not a holiday issue last week. After all, Troy, as the Dome matched last week's series low with a 1.0 and a 4 share with the 18 to 49 and 5.1 million viewers. However... I've got an idea on how we can fix this. We can change the name of the show to Big Jim instead of Under the Dome. And then CBS can market Thursday as Big, Big Summer, Summer Thursday. Thursday. Nice.
0: I can see the TV ads running during Extant and Zoo already in my head. It'll be epic.
2: Absolutely. It's Big Bang, Big Brother, and Big Jim.
0: Big Summer Thursday. I love it. <laughs> Great yes. idea. Let's call off CBS Marketing right now.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, no. Uh, well, that'll do it for the news this week. Let's slow things down now as we go into our requests and dedications. Once again, it's a revised segment this year where we ask you questions to think about during the course of the week. And we asked you last week, what will Big Jim find when he and Bud, as we're lovingly calling the dog, because that's what Jim called him last week,
2: what will he and Bud find when they get to Bird Island? Well, a few people on Facebook said that he would find his dead wife as the dog might even transform into Pauline. Whoa. What do you think of that? That's an interesting theory. I I, I was thinking that
0: that might be a possibility, some kind of channeling ghostiness issues going on there. That would have been cool, just like Wolf into Artist back into Wolf again. Sounds like an episode of Bitten on Sci-Fi or something.
2: It very much does. And – That did not cross my mind at all. So props, listeners, for uh, sharing that information. Because the dog definitely means something. And Jim said that uh, Big Jim, unrelated to Jim, same first name, different person. uh, Jim Arrowhead said that Big Jim was not going to find the peace and quiet he was looking for. And you know what? (laughs) That was true.
0: True. Good job, Mr. Jim in Nebraska, coming up with that one.
2: And Anthony wrote that he thinks something's going to happen to the dog because it is tied to the dome.
0: Mm. I guess that would go along with the same concept of the ghost
2: concept. Probably. Yeah. uh, Everybody brought up the dog and I spaced out and forgot about the dog. Rory did not on Twitter. Rory said, I hope that big Jim finds some dog food and I hope so too, both for the dog and for big Jim before he gets hangry with Christine.
0: Mm -hmm. Can't wait for that.
2: (laughs) So a lot of those things kind of happened, but we did not see the dog this week, but I'm sure we will next week.
0: Uh, and, you know, and that's a good point. The dog never did show up. Was he just, like, sleeping somewhere? We'll have to get into that more, I think, during the listener feedback, potentially. Well, we also had our next listener-submitted Clam of the Week. That's right. All made by you at clammer.com. That's C-L-A-M-M-R. You could go right there to play along if you'd like to. And we have Dream State Baby Mama drama last week, and the baby drama continues this week, if you can believe it. Here, take a listen. Because the baby was in play in Ava's tummy as she's holding Barbie there, I don't know if that was just a mind game to keep Barbie entrapped in the Matrix. Okay. No more baby mama drama. So if you can believe it, there's actually a song called No More Baby Mama Drama. Are you serious? Seriously. You can actually see that clam on our website and hear the actual full song on SoundCloud. It's pretty funny.
2: Wow. That's amazing stuff. Thank you for that. And makes you want to have a clam bake.
0: Yes, it certainly does. So that clam was submitted by Rory. You can follow him on Twitter at BB Rizzler and also on Clamor at BB Rizzler. So make sure you check out Rory's stuff. He's got some really great clams out there that he's been working on. And if you want to actually participate, like Rory did this week, you can download Clamor for your iOS device. Just visit clamor.com to download the app. Or if you're a non-iOS user, at least right now, you can visit publisher.clamor.com and upload and tag your audio there to be featured on the podcast. Make sure you use that hashtag. That's how we found Rory's. Hashtag UTDR, under the dome radio, utdr fan. And we'll be able to find it and play your clam here on the episode.
2: Absolutely. And then at the end of the season, the best clams are going to be voted on by you, the listener, and a special prize awaits. So, as they say, get clamming today at underthedomeradio.com slash clam. And our dome-provoking question for next week, is Nori really back? And if so, how does a Miller, quote-unquote, snap out of it?
0: That's a really good thought-provoking question, because we'll get into that and more, will we not?
2: We absolutely will. But for now, let's light it up as we discuss this week's episode on the air.
0: Well, last week, apparently, I was so excited about the butterfly segment that I listened to from Radiolab that I forgot to run down the episode for those of you that may not have seen it. So my apologies. And with that, here we go. In a nutshell, we have Christine going out for a jog. She finds Junior, says that, got a little task for you to do, but uh, not before I swap shirts for you, and uh, pretty much flaunts himself at Junior while Big Jim spies on his son from Bird Island going, hey, way to go, kid, but not with that person, just as he gets bagged in the head by a dude from Acteon Energy, and he gets taken to a house where good old buddy Malik, yes, you remember Agent Malik from Outside the Dome, with his Panasonic Toughbook. Well, he's now inside the dome, and they're doing experiments on Big Jim to find out if he truly is infected by the egg. Big Jim is able to actually weasel his way out of there because he's important, and therefore they won't kill him, and so he runs away as fast as he can. Remember, just three days ago, he was shot and had a limp, so I don't know how far he's going to get on his own. Meanwhile, back in Chester's Mill, the tent city is overcrowded. Fires are happening. Barbie and Julia are getting angry and short with each other because he was out all night with Ava. Ava decides that he and Bar- she and Barbie need to go and actually find food, which becomes actually cattle feed in a silo that is out on the edge of the completely blown torch dusted uh, crop field that Rebecca Pine took care of last season. And then, of course, Babs and Julia get in a huge fight. Babs becomes a wife beater, punches a wall, Julia starts crying, and that's how we get Barbie to go over to Ava's place to find out she's not pregnant, but then closes the door and a little bomb chicka wow wow starts to happen, and eventually she will be pregnant for real because we know how babies are made. Therefore, Christine starts to go around and mack on all the kids in town, the boys that is, Touches Junior, uh, touches Junior, touches Joe on the lips. She's got a little bit of a hormonal thing going on. I don't know if she feels motherly for trying to care for everybody. But for some reason, Christine wants to have babies with the Scooby gang. And in the meantime, Nori's trying to have babies of her own with Hunter. But she decides that Hunter isn't the person for her. So she goes back to Joe and snaps out of it. And that pretty much sums up the episode this week. As Julia runs away trying to find Solace over on Bird Island herself, running into Big Jim and bringing him back to Chester's Mill. Wayne, let's start out with this crazy episode a little bit differently tonight with the woman of the hour, Christine herself. Your favorite character of season three.
2: Oh, <laughs> Uh, not. <laughs> um, you know, summing that up, you did that very well, Troy, and yeah. What to do. That sounds <laughs> like craziness. That is craziness. I, I'm hoping that, uh, the character of Christine, much in the fashion of Under the Dome, the novel, I hope this character that's not in the book is killed off very soon.
0: So I did do the rewatch. I got a full rewatch in this time. So I got some big questions for you here. Okay. So ready. right in the beginning, she's doing this jog, sees Junior at the tent. What did you think of the line right in the opening as she rips off her shirt and says, oh man, I'm so sweaty. She gives this line. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Apparently, we're all supposed to take that as, oh, how did it feel burning down the house? But the second watch, I was like, hmm, did that have a double meaning?
2: Did you pick up on that? I very much picked up on that. And I can't believe it took you until the second watch on the very first watch. And this is right at the beginning of the episode, mind you. And all of a sudden that happens. And she says that. And I knew from that very moment that the rest of this episode was pretty much going to be going downhill And they did not, quote-unquote, disappoint in in that department. (sighs) Well, see, I was trying to put
0: it out of my mind on the first watch because we're already dealing with an age gap issue over on the Amblin crossover special Falling Skies this season.
2: Oh, boy. And
0: so I was like, no, they're not going to do an Amblin crossover on the age gap issue. And, yeah, apparently they are.
2: (laughs) I think to save money, they use the same script outline for both shows and then just kind of change a few things around. It, It was... A little too much. It was uncalled for. It was really kind of strange and creepy. Very suggestive vibe. I know the producers are going to try to play it off in a few weeks saying, oh, well, she's an alien and this is how the alien was trying to gather knowledge. I still say foul, foul. This is just way too much. Over the top.
0: Yeah. And we'll get into more over the top later on as this continues. So she's recording everything on this recorder that apparently was Julia's. Go figure. Uh, I thought it was mine. I have one sitting here in my desk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) True. Somehow Julia stole it from you and then Christine stole it from Julia. I'm glad it's back in your hands now, safe and sound.
0: Yeah. Those wouldn't be able to get this podcast out. But the question I have is why is she recording all this stuff? Is she sending it to somebody? Is it really not that far off when I said it was a captain's log of some kind? You are
2: 100% spot on Troy. Now, I don't know if they're going to play with the practical side of the Edderall recorder that she's just recording these things and maybe at night uploading them, or she's going to collect them all and then submit them. But the way the show's written, it could just be that somehow her Eterol is magically wireless and is beaming these captain log entries to moon base alpha after every entry. I'm not sure.
0: So more importantly, though, when she's making these documentations, is she documenting them for the aliens? Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth?
2: <laughs> yes, I do. And I can't believe we're saying them.
0: <laughs> is she documenting them for her alien overlords or is she documenting them for Acteon Energy? That's the question that we still have in the back of our mind because originally she was working for Acteon before she got the quote unquote download of the alien being.
2: Let's just say I'm not going to give a comment. But there's some listener feedback coming up later in this episode that will answer that question with a theory.
0: Okay. Well, then she says, when Barbie moves on, assuming to Ava, there will be no reason for her, assuming Julia, to exist. So are we saying that Julia is not part of the master plan and whatever they need to do, they need to take her out completely?
2: I believe that's what she's saying. and. Luckily for Julia, she is now, at least for this week, siding with Big Jim again because, uh, like it was brought up on last week's episode, I think that Big Jim and Julia Shumway are the only two that did not get cocooned, and so that's even more reason why they may want to take her out. But now she's with Big Jim, and Big Jim says that he's important and can't be killed, and so far, he's been proven right. Well,
0: oh, that's true because he was uh, at the Dome, right? The Dome, he was going to hang himself because the Dome wanted him to take his own life. And then the Dome was like, no, Julia, make sure you save Big Jim because Big Jim's important. Now Big Jim thinks he's important. It's all coming together. Crystal clear. Exactly. Well, let's move on to Ava. Now, she's talking to Christine about the camera. And I picked up on some things here. So Ava's saying, "Yo, know, why are you still pretending to be a therapist? Do you hear yourself? You sound crazy. (laughs) Like, who else does it on this show? And I'm lying to him, meaning Barbie, about who I am. So when I saw this a second time, I'm like, okay, is she lying about being a therapist because she's really an archaeologist or whatever she was for Acteon, Or is she still pretending to be a therapist, lying about it because she's really an alien? In which case then Ava would be assumed to also be an alien. So there's almost like a play on words here. You don't know if Ava's really saying the the real stuff. We used to work for Acteon. We're not really who we are, or we're aliens. Why aren't we just tell them we're aliens?
2: It could be one or both of those statements. And with that being said, I think she is an alien. Maybe she doesn't even know she's one.
0: Okay. So which side are you on? Are you on the alien side or are you on
2: the humanistic side? I think it's the alien side. Mm, okay. Well In the end, in the end, Troy. It doesn't matter. (laughs) We'll find out soon enough. Yes, we will. I have a feeling.
0: Spoilers coming from Comic-Con. Stay tuned later in the show. (laughs) Well, she's not pregnant, but we now think that she might become pregnant because Barbie closes the door ever so gently by lantern light and candlelight. Got to double up there just to make sure.
2: (laughs) Those two kinds of light do not mix together very well.
0: No, it's a very weird mood scene, especially when she was crying right before it happened. Oh, boy. Julia! Well, finally, we have the reporter actually doing some actual sleuthing and being the reporter she meant, was meant to be. So it's about time she and the character kind of stands on her own without a man, which is very similar to Julia for the most part of the Under the Dome novel. So who is she going to talk about when she needs to talk about this punch, right? He busts through the wall. I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, if I was a woman, I'd be terrified. And clearly, she's crying afterwards. So is she going to keep it to herself and kind of stand and be her own woman? Or is she going to confide in somebody about Barbie's craziness, maybe even Big Jim?
2: Well, if Chester's Mill still had an active police department, instead of everybody being killed off, including Officer Randolph, uh, Miss Kevin Sizemore on the show, she should report it to the police. But with that being said, and no one really being around, I have a feeling she's going to save it for herself until her and Barbie can be back together again, and then she's going to let Barbie have it. Well, so
0: far, with three episodes in, and I can't believe we're actually rooting for Julia this season, I, after it, last season, it was always like, oh my gosh, the bandage is still on the outside of her jeans, and she's walking and limping on the wrong leg, and having conversations, yelling at the dome.
2: <laughs> and it very well may be just for this episode, but Troy, I am as surprised as you are. I think the writers are actually being successful in getting us to root for julia shumway
0: which i think is the right thing to do because she's really the big hero of the book and so we need to connect with her character just as much as we've been connecting with dean norris's big jim and rochelle really brought it this week i mean hands down you know if you were ranking acting this week she was spot on i think all the way through the episode
2: Agreed. And hopefully there's no more of her flip-flopping between I'm against Big Jim, I'm with Big Jim, I'm against Big Jim. Hopefully her and Big Jim can team up maybe for most of the rest of the season so we can get some consistency there. And they being the only two that weren't cocooned, they can form some sort of battle plan against all of these other people in Chester's Mill that are acting like absolute lunatics.
0: Well, let's talk about her former boyfriend because they ain't together anymore after that punch. Babs himself. Now, clearly, he has feelings for Ava. That conversation would have gone much different, don't you think? Because Julia specifically says, hey, Christine's lying and Ava's lying. Like, why does she have to bring up Ava? I was almost with Barbie in that moment. Like, don't bring Ava into this. She didn't do anything. Do you think that it would have gone differently if Ava's name wasn't mentioned?
2: Maybe a little bit. But I think it's quite obvious that the mysterious Christine and the mysterious Ava who showed up together are both working together on something. Julia may not have pieced all the parts together just yet, but she knows that something is amiss with those two, as does Big Jim. And he of course he's got the video footage and maybe next week he will share that with Julia and we can really start piecing things together about the wackiness that's going on.
0: Now I have to ask because they did the Amblin television close up shot as Barbie leaves after the big punch and takes the gun off of the dresser. Now what is he going to do with that gun? Cause that has to come up sometime in the future.
2: I have no idea what he's going to do with that gun unless he kills one of the major characters on the show. I don't know, but I have a feeling since they showed it practically in slow motion, super close up next week, something will happen with that gun.
0: All right. So Nori oh, boy. K- kisses Hunter feels bad for hurting Joe's feelings. Clearly she has not been imbued with enough life force yet to become a sex crazed alien because she even turns down Hunter later on, even after she eats some natural aphrodisiac in the chocolate. So I guess the question becomes, how does she become Nori again? Right at the end, she's like, you can't forgive Sam and blah, 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 blah. And becomes angst filled Nori once again. And Joe's like, this is you. And she's like, Whoa, what happened, man? Like she just came off of like a drug trip or something. And I wonder, like, what's the, what's the connecting point, right? That's our dome-provoking question this week. What, what allows that severance from the life force to occur to make someone go back to who they
2: were? Accidental direction on the show? I have no idea. I just want to know how long before Joe kills Nori and the more annoying every single week Hunter that has no place on the show. He's doing absolutely nothing. Get rid of Hunter.
0: Well, she might not be completely snapped out of it because remember we said sex crazed aliens is going to be happening in this episode. Oh and no. sure enough, there she is, sex crazed Don Joe. You know, just not that sex crazed because they gotta put those other things to the side. Just need one. One's good.
2: <laughs> Make it stop.
0: Uh the whistling Miller was credited in the press release and in the show. He Michael, was? He was. <laughs> so I have to ask the question, other than the fact that he was like, hey ladies, speed it up. When he's talking to Nori there, like, was the thing he was whistling important? Did you pick up a tune? Was there something with that whistling that we didn't read into that we should have read into?
2: I did not recognize the tune, but it did make me wonder who is Whistler's mother. Ah,
0: Nice. Nice. If you know what that means, call us at plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine or use that speakpipe widget on the side of the web page because if you know what that inside joke is, you're gonna be the under the dome honorary DJ of the week next week for sure.
2: And it that scene was just really weird. His whistling was so prominent and it went on for so long, even though I couldn't figure out what the song was, that he was really pretty much annoying. And the fact that he got credit means that it means something.
0: Yeah, I mean, because he was whistling it. Then he like has a conversation with Nori, and then he kind of goes back to it. And I'm like, does someone just say, dude, just stand there and whistle a lot? <laughs> or does it really <laughs> actually mean something? Because he was credited. Scr- I a mean, head scratcher.
2: Speaking of crediting, I will give him credit. He's a much better whistler than I am.
0: For sure. So I, I can vouch for that. <laughs> Well, if you know what the tune was or if you thought there was some code in it or maybe even had a frequency jammer or a decoder ring from your cereal box, again, plus one, nine zero four, four, six, nine, seven, four, six, nine. Let us know if you picked up on anything or email it into under the dot com slash feedback. Joe, I like this Joe. This is season one Joe. He's back, but I have to question his capabilities here for a minute because. You find some solar panels that were blown off of a house during the magnetism portion of the dome. Don't you think those panels would be smashed if they flew off of a roof?
2: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Now, the bigger question is, did you notice the street signs, which I did not see in the first watch, but I did see in the second watch as Julia walks up, all of the street signs are bent, pointing towards the edge of the dome. Did you catch that?
2: I didn't notice.
0: Well, I noticed it, and that told me that, hey... Someone is actually thinking about planning out these shots when they're putting the show together. So there is some hope that someone knows what they're doing.
2: (laughs) Wow. Oh no, you didn't. Oh yes, I did.
0: Uh, But now the best part that I thought was great about this scene, the best part about this scene. If you remember towards the end of season two, we had Nori basically being the voice of the audience going like, Oh my gosh, it's a giant suck hole. You remember that line from the end of season two. And Julia's talking to Joe and Joe's like, this place blows under the dome. And I was like, hmm, might be saying something there, Joe.
2: And I do know that what Nori said about the giant suck hole, uh, that uh, listener Jim was able to incorporate that into some very good listener feedback at the end of last season. And Jim, if you happen to have the audio for that piece, you could probably come up with some very creative, uh, listener feedback. For us to use sometime later this season. Yeah. Just saying.
0: Just had to bring it up. I just thought it was like, hey, how you doing? This place blows under the dome. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Sam. he's having, Oh, my. He's having Sam. a. Yes, yeah, Sam. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this yet. Uh, he's having a relationship with Abby. Abby's killing herself is actually kind of interesting because there were a lot of people in the book that just couldn't take it anymore and therefore started offing themselves, especially towards the later half So I did kind of like the story that there was a person that was willing to hang themselves because that ties more into the novel. But then here he saves her. They have this conversation. He gets back on the sauce. So my question is how will his refound interest in drinking affect his relationships with both Joe and junior?
2: And will he still get to be the leader of the support group?
0: It's not an alcohol support group. It's just a general support group.
2: But still, you know, if, If your leader is an alcoholic, it kind of hampers the progress of the uh, group, we should say. The whole Sam and Abby scene really seemed to have gone way too long in the episode. Didn't it seem to just drag down the pace? It did a little bit,
0: and I'm just trying to figure out why they went there. And the only thing I can think of is that if I'm thinking about the book and I'm trying to tie this into something, if I'm trying to follow some sense of the book, then Jim I'm sorry Joe and junior would find out about the drinking and maybe push him away and then sloppy Sam goes back into the woods and lives there until the end where we find out sloppy Sam helps out at the end of the book so I think this might be a way to push that back that direction otherwise it just doesn't fit
2: Hmm. so sloppy Sam might not get killed next week on the show
0: Maybe not. Or you're going to have Joe come up and say, you drank again, you bastard, and stab him in the heart. That'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You killed my sister. Prepare to die.
2: Oh, boy. Bringing in the uh, Princess Bride references? Yeah, why not? Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Malik. Malik is back and his friends, the Men in White, as I like to call them. Did you notice the uh, purple gloves by chance? Is that uh, something that we needed to point out? I mean, I know... A lot of hospitals are using the purple latex now or non-latex hospital grade, whatever you want to call it, neoprene, I guess. Um, But I love the purple tie-in with the purple rocks and all of that jazz.
2: I did notice them. I didn't pay too much attention to them. I was mostly surprised somewhere along the episodes where we've seen Malik before. I don't recall his name ever being mentioned. Obviously, it was because they showed you know, even Big Jim mentioning his name in one of the flashbacks but I was surprised to hear his name. I didn't know we even knew it before.
0: I thought it was in their exchange when they were at the dome together. Like who's in charge. It's like me. It's like, what's your name? Malik? I thought that's when they did it. If not, it was maybe uh Don Barbara that radioed to agent Malik, And that's how we got his name.
2: Yeah. Not important. It was just surprising to me.
0: Well, uh, they, it looked like they injected big Jim with something and then apparently had blood tests. Cause they were examining to see if he was infected, radiated, DNA? What were they trying to... I mean, they were trying to determine, I think, if he'd been in touch with the egg, but what exactly were they looking for? Were they looking for alien DNA, or were they looking just for radiation?
2: Those are excellent questions, and I want to know the answers to those, Troy, because it's very interesting that they did inject him with at least one substance right before he made his heroic escape. But I, what I want to know is, is Big Jim going to suffer some side effects or consequences from those injections, even though he's escaped because they very well could have been something very, very dangerous and serious. And perhaps maybe when big Jim was stabbed or injected, perhaps he went unconscious and everything else in the rest of the episode was his imagination.
0: That could be too. That's a I hope very not. good point. So the real question is, is, you know, I would really love to see them focus on the acteon side of the story personally I find that much that part much more interesting. Granted it ties into Christine because they were working for Acteon at one point, but the alien sex craze thing not so much. Keep it focused on Acteon and I think we're in a good place for season
2: 3. It, we're definitely in a better place for season 3 because you know, at the risk of sounding like a uh, Killjoy, not the TV show The Killjoys, but the traditional Killjoy, uh perhaps I know they 're trapped under a dome, but perhaps some of these folks could maybe mm, get married first before they just all start fooling around uh, that'd be nice.
0: there was a church, just, big Jim could marry him because he 's the mayor, the preacher the
2: he's everything <laughs> he's everything he, he certainly could marry them, then it would all be legit and and blessed, and then we could have all sorts of uh whether they're going to be alien babies or not. We'll find out.
0: Well, then we come on to Junior. Interesting conversation he has with his contracting partner yes. as he's getting grilled for not being like his dad. He basically gets called out as Christine, uh, Christine's Christine's lap dog instead, and then immediately in the next scene starts arguing with him about this, you know, support beam. And he literally is like, "My team, my call. Get out of here," which sounds very much like his father. So. <laughs> The guy says so like, "Hey, you're not like your dad," and then boom! Now he's like his dad, and now he's pissed off at him. So, are these two going to be at odds in the upcoming episodes?
2: Or every time that that uh, contractor says something, Junior's going to do whatever he tells him. I need you to be more like your dad. Okay, I'll be more like my dad.
0: And are we going to see him become more like his dad as it progresses? Very much similar to how he started acting towards the end of the book as well.
2: I think we will. I just have a feeling that Junior is going to really turn into Big Jim, but then get saved at the very end to become the very nice man again. No longer chaining up women in the uh, bomb shelter or anything like that.
0: Well, then we get to the man of the hour here as we finish up this portion of the episode. Uh, I think Big Jim was actually listening to Aaron Arnett Jr. before he was talking to Malik as he's saying, you know, oh, you want to know about the egg? Oh, the egg. Be like he, he, he emphasized it exactly the same way. I was like, Dean's got to be listening to us. That's awesome.
2: And, oh, Aaron Arnett Jr., thank you very much for all of your great voicemails and getting this stuck into the lexicon of the show. And, Aaron, when I watched this scene on Under the Dome, I also immediately thought of you. Props.
0: First thing that came into my egg, I was like, Aaron, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dean's a fan.
2: Fantastic. Who isn't?
0: Um, I love how he realizes that he is important and that Acteon can't kill him. Mm-hmm. That was a, a nice play there because he's like, yeah, what is he going to do? Run away? I'm like, this is that just bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mentioned already that Big Jim runs pretty well for uh, looking like a slee stack at the end of season two. So he's just kind of hopping along, trudging through the water. And then, of course, makes a really good ploy to Julia, uh, which we will hear, of course, in the Big Jim Liners of the Week segment here in just a second. So how do you think – what do you think of Big Jim's scenes this week as a whole? And then we'll get into the liners themselves.
2: Well, all know, although not the greatest thing I've ever seen on television, they were the highlight of the episode. Big Jim and Julia, her scenes uh, when she was being threatened by Barbie were very well done. But Big Jim, perhaps it's the injection that he got from Acteon that was able to heal his slee stack style of walking and turned him into being able to make a swift retreat.
0: Oh, no, we can't give him any steroids. Then we'd have to put an asterisk next to his name for his acting capabilities for the episode.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. There's something mysterious going on under the dome. Well, last week we
0: asked you guys to vote on which liner you liked best, which scene you liked best from Redux, and it was a pretty close call between Big Dad and Big Dog. Now, everybody does love a good dog, but I think people kind of saw that double meaning around Big Dad, and Big Dad just edged out Big Dog 60 to 40 in the voting. So, Big Dad is the winner for episode three And with that, we'll move on to this week's liners. The first one happens right there at the beginning of the episode, as Big Jim is actually standing on Bird Island, taking a peek at what's going on between Junior and Christine.
2: Normally, I'd applaud you, kid, but that woman,
0: that thing. So, a short (laughs) one, but very prominent, because we were all like, yeah, that woman? Really? Uh, Angie three weeks ago and now Christine. Wow. Big swing there, dude. Big swing. That that woman, that thing.
2: Yeah. I like that one. That one's hashtag big spy, right?
0: Right, right. Big spy. So again, you can vote right on our website, go to the show notes under the dome radio.com slash 56 for this episode. Click on big spy when you see it on the page and that'll register your vote and we'll be able to share with you next week who wins because this next one, of course, is that final sequence as he's running through the brush, trying to escape from the one lone gunman as Julia comes up to potentially save his life.
2: You don't want to shoot me, Red. I promise I'm not the bad guy of here. They kidnapped me. They ran tests
3: on me. They were for Action.
0: They made me asthmatic. Need Ben's inhaler.
2: Much like Benjamin Linus on Lost, we're the good guys.
0: Uh, Hashtag big denial.
2: I'm not the bad guy, I
0: promise.
2: (laughs) Not to mention the fact that he said that they ran tests on him. And sure, after he escaped, they might be running some tests. But before then, they were just getting ready to run tests. I don't think they had done any yet.
0: And how funny is it that if you think about this whole wolf conversation again from last week, here we have Bing Jim crying wolf one more time. Uno mas. Uno mas. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this segment where we give our ratings for the episode. Uh, You went last week, correct? First?
2: I did last week. You were shocked and stunned.
0: I was. So I'll go first. I'm calculating. Figuring it out.
2: Math on a podcast.
0: Five and a half. I'm going five and a half out of ten. Tent city citizens in need
2: of a shave and trim. Where's Lyle? Oh, man, I miss Lyle. He was definitely the highlight of season two. So five and a half out of ten? Yes, I'm going five and a half. Tent City Citizens in Need of a Shave and a Trim. That's a great title for an episode of Under the Dome. And a very generous rating. I would give this episode four out of ten. Creepy Criminal Kinships. So I'm up from last week, mostly because of Julia's excellent scenes and Big Jim getting a lot of airtime.
0: Mm. So that means the four share in 18 to 49 matches your rating. There must be coincidence there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's no coincidence.
0: Uh, but- well, you know, I, all in all, you know, there's the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode, which in the quick reaction cast. And I think a couple times on Facebook, I said are typically the best parts of the show. I yes. think this week, the middle was the better part. And the endings was like, Oh man, <laughs> that scene with Nori and Joe, Really great until the music swell, and then I got a condom. I was like, smack my head. I was like, no, don't go there. And then they kept it going just so Nori could have her one quippy liner for the week. Ugh, ugh um, yeah. is all I can say. You, yeah. you, right on the cusp of something great, and it just fell apart. Um, yeah, so I was like, I was like, floating at a six and a half, and then I was like, nah, sex in a cave and sex with a lot of condoms, and then you know, nope, dropped it a couple points.
2: And my initial thought was, I'm going to give it a 2. But then the more I watched and saw Big Jim and Julia, I bumped it all the way up to that that 4 out of 10.
0: All right, so we'll call it 4.75 this week. And, of course, we check in on the TV Showtime app. So if you want to check in and play along with us, TV Showtime, download that app, check in under the dome, leave your comments there, and you can see how everybody else rates
2: the show. Absolutely. You know, rumor has it, Troy, that the job market is getting more competitive in Chester's Mill all the time with the addition of all these new characters and all these new extras and everybody all over town. It means that you really need to up your skills to stay ahead of the competition. And that's where lynda.com comes to the rescue. Of course, they don't have the capability yet to rescue you from the actual dome. But if you visit lynda.com slash dome, you'll get 10 days of free learning to jumpstart a brand new skill or even master your current craft.
0: For example, we'd actually all be more in the loop as to what Christine really is if Ava would have just taken the course shooting with the GoPro Hero Fundamentals taught by Richard Harrington. And there are even more GoPro and other photography courses. You can capture all the events going around in Chester's Mill. So be sure to check those out on lynda.com.
2: The direct link is lynda.com slash dome, and that's where you go to get access to over 3,000 video courses taught by expert teachers for any device you wish, even a Microsoft Surface tablet. But more importantly, citizens of Chester's Mill, you can watch them offline with an annual premium membership, which is good in case Acteon yet again messes with the Internet. So start your 10-day learning journey at lynda.com slash dome. That's lynda.com l-y-n-d-a dot com slash dome. Try it free today. Oh, man, it's that time.
0: Could this week's On Location top last week's? Well, let's find out, because as Big Jim always says,
2: we're all in this together.
0: Our first one this week, you know him. You love him. He came in at the last minute. It is one Aaron Arnett Jr. So Mr. Arnett Jr., take it away.
1: Woo! Has it been another week already? I can't believe it. I'm coming to you today via the SpeakPipe app, which you can find at underthedomeradio.com under the feedback section. Leave them a voicemail. The SpeakPipe app. I love it. It's easy. Wayne and Troy, they found it. It's great. You can use it. It's simple. One, two, three. You're recording. It's great. Now listen up, folks. It's been another crazy week of Under the Dome Radio. And I'll start from the start. That's where I begin with Big Jim. I'm glad he got away. I didn't remember his captor at first. And then I recalled, oh, yes, he was the guy standing on the outside. Therein, guess what? Acteon has got a hand in everything, it seems. They even have something to do with the aliens, which makes me think, is it really an alien? Or is Acteon possibly a front company for the alien cartel? Speaking of the aliens, I have a point I want to make about the aliens, and a point I want to make about the townspeople. You see, I feel, that I could be wrong, but it seems like we're seeing more townspeople than we did last year. Like extras, that sort of a thing. Maybe that's just me. But... There's that one townsfolk who is building the, uh, dormitories with Junior inside, which, by the way, Junior, I am grossed out by your new love interest! You go from a to her! Ah! But that one townsfolk decides to speak up against Junior, and more importantly, against, uh, is her name Christine? I forget. The, 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 the woman who's the therapist. I'm, I'm terrible with names, forgive me. But he speaks up against her, and my theory, now mark it down, this is my theory... My theory is that he may be one of the alien folks who decides that he's going to go against the Acteon alien plan. He's like a traitor in their midst, if you will. He's a Benedict Arnold. An Egg's Benedict Arnold. (laughs) Egg. Now, ladies and gentlemen... That is all I have for you this week. Except I would like to say, I'd like to leave it on a good note and say that I am very appreciative that one of our love triangles seems to be thrown under the rug for a moment with Joe and Nori. They're back together. Happy days are
3: here again!
1: Although I have a feeling, and this is another theory... Put it under the rug, if you will, and put it... I don't know. Listen, here's the thing. Uh, I think that Joe is going to die this season. I don't know. He may... I just... One of our main characters has to die. That's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, here they are again, the stars of the show, Sir Wayne, Sir Troy on Under the Dome
0: Radio.
2: Wow. Uh, (coughs) Amazing. (laughs)
0: I think I just have enough energy to do every Monday for the rest of my life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Aaron Arnett Jr. And before we dig into his call, I want to remind you, you can find him on Twitter at Aaron Arnett Jr. And he also has a fun YouTube channel at Double A-O-K. So Double A and then O-K-A-Y. Great stuff. I watched a couple of his videos earlier today. Funny stuff. And... Aaron, you brought it this week. In addition to bringing mega energy, you brought some great theories. Break it down, Troy.
0: So I love this concept about the alien cartel. It goes right back into the drug ring concept from season one. Like I said, they're using this oxytocin to make pills. It it totally fits. Yes, it does. (laughs) The question is, which worlds or galaxies are they pushing this oxytocin pill to? Oh
2: my goodness. Look out Alpha
0: Centauri. (laughs)
2: Oh look out, moon people! I like it. What he brought up about aliens versus the townspeople.
0: Yeah, the uh, especially the contractor guy being a potential Eggs Benedict Arnold. <laughs> I love it. That was that funny. was
2: that was absolutely fantastic. And I never thought about it in that way. And I believe Aaron's going to turn out to be right on this one for sure. But I will say that he definitely stood out that contractor because of how he stood up. To junior, I knew there was something odd about him. And Aaron, thanks for pointing out that he is probably an eggs Benedict Arnold. And with emphasis at the end, he said, egg.
0: Now, I do have to bring up a point because this guy is like, hey, these tents, these tents are too close together. <laughs> Didn't Ava and Barbie walk through an entire field ridden of really bad, decrepit crops? Like, couldn't they just move the tents there? Some of them. <laughs> I mean, it's like, do you have to be all camped around the quad <laughs> like you're at school or something? It they, makes no
2: sense. It was amazing. It was also amazing how quickly that tent went from totally fine to full engulfment of flames. And also amazing that just the three major characters in that scene were willing to jump over the fire to rescue that person. When all these other dweebs in town are just standing around looking around with their thumbs up their noses or something. Any one of those people could have jumped over those flames.
0: But I, I do agree with Aaron Arnett's assessment that uh there are a few more townspeople this year. I don't know where they came from, but maybe they were trapped in the cocoons a lot longer and they'd just been down there for so long. That's why they were missing from season two. They Melanie was secretly collecting in them in their sleep.
2: Exactly. They could be leftovers from Chester's Mill one point And then how about Aaron's main throwing down another great theory there, Troy? Well, I'm
0: not going to touch on any character deaths. I know you went there early on in the round table. Here we got Joe predicted for death by Mr. Arnett Jr. I I think we're just going to save that because he might be onto something. That's all I'm going to say.
2: He has a feeling. I can't control these feelings that I have. (laughs) Going back (laughs) to a
0: previous voicemail of his. Uh, Speaking of voicemails, Mr. Jim from Nebraska was not able to send it in, but he did email in some thoughts. He said, I would prefer to send a voicemail, but last night's dome wasn't worth taking the time to fire up the recording rig. Oh, my. Just a few observations. Big Jim continues to be the best part of the show as far as I'm concerned. What happened to his canine friend? When he was attacked by those two thugs from Acteon, why didn't his buddy jump in and save him? Come on, oi! Save Big Jim of Deshane. Oi! Oi! I hope that someone has placed some buckets under the writers' desks to catch all the dropped storylines in this show. Oh. Anyway, I love the way Big Jim can handle himself in a sticky situation. Perhaps they should consider a spinoff series that's only about him. Hey, that was kind of like our opening. (laughs) Big Jim, the show. Now on Thursdays on
2: CBS. (laughs) Perfect.
0: We had yet another food crisis, so Barbie and Ava take off and find a storage bin of silage that looks like the stuff... My daughter feeds to her hamster. I'm glad somebody else picked up on that because that's exactly what I thought.
2: Oh my goodness. Jim. Like, this
0: is a cattle feed. This is like hamster food.
2: No wonder they, well, the cattle's, you know, at least one was cut right in half. Oh my goodness. That was a great catch. Jim.
0: Oh. He does have a theory though. Hold on tight.
2: I'm sitting down and holding on.
0: It's probably as absurd as anything that Jim's watched, but here it goes. Okay. Did you see Christine's reflection as the show ended? I have come to the conclusion that she is actually the Borg queen who traveled back in time from the 24th century in Star Trek and is developing a new method of assimilation by hitting on guys that are less than half her age. Wow.
2: Oh, my. That is a theory. And and at least one of the guys might be a third her age. Just saying. (laughs) Wow.
0: Uh, Speaking of hitting on people. Well, this is a clean podcast, so I guess I won't go there. But enough is enough. How about a consistent story that makes a little bit of sense? Does anyone screen these episodes before they release them? (laughs) Well, I suppose I will sum up by paraphrasing the late, great Jim Croce. You don't tug on Dale Barbary's cape. You don't hit on Christine. Wow. Jim, not so much into it. You don't draw down on Julia Shumway, and you don't mess around with Big Jim. There it is.
2: (laughs) Sounds like a hit.
0: Oh, man. Holy cow. Jim don't like like the show. (laughs) That's what I'm gathering after two weeks.
2: The show, I totally understand where Jim's coming from. I mean, let's be frank. Season one was mostly good except for the Maxine stuff and a few other things that were a little bit off. Season two opened up with the best episode of Under the Dome to date written by Stephen King. Coincidence. I don't know. And then it kind of struggled and floundered around. But so far this season, it's pretty much been a disaster with a few high points thrown in. But like I said last week, I'm ever hopeful that things will turn around and we'll get more of the Julia Big Jim stuff and it'll be better.
0: Well, Big Jim mentioned the dog and Charlie also mentioned on Facebook. uh, We didn't see the dog in this episode. So my question is, is he a villain or a hero? A real dog or an alien? I bet he shows up in a few more episodes. Maybe he witnessed Christine getting zapped by the egg, and that's why he's so determined to help out Big Jim.
2: Oh, my goodness. He could be another Eggs Benedict Arnold, the dog in disguise.
0: Very well could be. You never know.
2: I should have seen that coming. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Now, last week's uh, full feedback episode, Krista from Okinawa with her great voicemails was the – Under the Dome Radio guest DJ of the week. And this week, she sent us an email just to give us an update. Dear Sir Wayne and Sir Troy, I just want to thank you both for hosting the podcast. As much as I love Stephen King, the Under the Dome TV series is just so-so. It's the podcast commentaries that make it enjoyable. And let me just interject. Thank you, Krista. We're just trying to be enjoyable and entertaining because... It's wackiness, it's bananas, and we have fun talking about it. Uh, Krista continues, and by the way, you'll be happy to know that I served my duties proudly and faithfully as the DJ of the week. I cared for my loyal subjects, my four cats and the two strays outside my house, and for the sick and shut-in. For example, I went out to lunch with a girlfriend after her doctor's appointment, and when my enemies attacked and threatened the safety of our little village, I fought valiantly to guard and protect them. In other words... When the typhoon raged through on Thursday, I secured my motorcycle in the back of my house and covered it to protect it from damage. The stray cats, well, they're on their own. Now that the week has ended, I take off my crown and pass it on to the next deserving individual and go back to just being me. Thanks for the opportunity. Krista in Okinawa, great email. Thank you so much. That's fantastic stuff.
0: Oh, I just love it when people are... Playing along. I mean, she's like talking about being a knight herself. We almost have to call her uh, whatever the female version of Sir is for uh, knighthood because she's uh, protecting the town from the typhoon.
2: She's doing mighty and wonderful things. I love it. Thank you, Krista. That That made me smile. That came in this afternoon.
0: Well, we got one more here. It's from a second time caller. You might know him as Chester Mills.
3: Hi, Sir Troy and Sir Wayne. This is Chester Mills. I'm a long-time listener and second-time caller, and dang, I do not know what to think about this episode. Um, I thought I was a reasonably intelligent guy, but Under the Dome has proven me wrong. i not sure that I can even keep up, uh, but honestly, I'm just watching it now to see what happens. Um, you know, other shows like x Stanton, Falling Skies, I got bored with, and they were a little, little too cheesy, and I just, I just let them go. But under the dome, I'm sticking with. I got to see what happens to the people under that dome. What happens to that dome? Um, I guess my thoughts about this week's episode. Uh, well, first of all, Christine Cougar, um, I, I like Troy's theory about, uh, you know, maybe. Melanie wasn't fully downloaded like she, you know, hit her head and got killed before, you know, <laughs> she was able to be totally disintegrated and reformed by the egg. Um, however, my theory kind of is that maybe Christine Cougar has... Um, um uh, more pronounced character traits that allow her to, to that allowed her to be uh, i guess more powerful than melanie or you know more apt to um uh, exert this this power over people uh, perhaps she has some alien heritage perhaps somewhere along the way you know uh, some of her family members are part alien and and maybe that's why that she seems to be sort of the the monarch type um, you know, the whole thing seems like invasion of the body snatchers to me in a way, uh, people are, you know, being transformed. Um, I don't know if any of this goes back to the very first few episodes where, uh, the intro said, you know, people have dark secrets in Chester's mill and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, gosh dang, we all have dark secrets, you know, <laughs> you know, so I don't know, uh, what they're being transformed into um but obviously you know you see a character like barbie who's really starting to annoy me greatly and uh he's changed um and of course you know he and julia fighting like they've been married for 10 years and and yet you know supposedly this time frame has been three weeks um a lot of sex in this show you know uh, uh joe i got condoms uh you know getting a little bit freaky there um nori coming back around with joe that's that you know it was, it was good to see that um i guess and then uh You know, uh, of course, the whole Barbie and and Eva thing. Uh, Maybe she will be pregnant. Who knows by next episode? So anyway, I'm just going to watch it. I'm going to keep watching to see what happens. And um, I really appreciate the podcast. You guys do great work. And if nothing else, I look forward to hearing the podcast every week. So take care, and I'll talk to you again after the next wacky, crazy episode.
2: Chester, thank you so very much for calling in with that feedback. We greatly appreciate it. Always good to hear from a caller that we've heard from before. You bring up great points. And I'm going to say right out, I think this uh, episode had a lot of things in common with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, for one.
0: I didn't know anything he said. I was rolling on the floor laughing every time he said Christine Cougar. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he said it twice. I just couldn't stop laughing.
2: uh, Chester's calling it like he sees it. It is insane. And two props and thank you. First, he agrees with uh, your theory, but he also kind of agrees. And I know we're not the only two that are like, we're getting real tired of this Babs character.
0: Well, I just, I'm confused because after 10 years of marriage, I hope nobody treats their wife the way that Babs treated Julia in this episode. Wow. Wow, That's
2: for sure. That, that was absolutely terrible. They didn't even really need to go that far in the scene, you know, whether or not Babs has been in a, cocoon or in the matrix or whatever he's been in there there was no call for that at all and i like at the beginning of your voicemail chester you said you know i'm reasonably reasonably intelligent but i can't figure this out trust me nobody can figure this out don't you're just fine and uh we're just trying to have fun with the show here this was i don't know if we'll ever figure it out let's just put it that way i would not be surprised if say next week's episode there is not even a dome Like the dome isn't there, it's not mentioned, and it's as if everything's a regular day in Chester's Mill and there is no dome.
0: Now, I I, I want to go back to something you guys said there. So there's no reason Barbie should be acting this way, but we have to remember three weeks ago. (laughs) Again, do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Three weeks ago, he was an enforcer for Maxine. His job was to beat people up and take money from them. So his temper has to be of a certain caliber in order to do this. Not to mention the fact that a couple of minutes ago or days ago, he was fighting a war in Yemen to find some insurgents. So he might have some PTSD going on. So his outburst, I think, is well-placed. I just was surprised it was with Julia and not with like Big Jim or somebody else.
2: That's well put, Troy. And let's not forget that Barbie also killed Julia's husband three weeks ago before just 24 hours after that shacking up with her.
0: Oh my gosh. How could we forget?
2: <laughs> so it's been a long three weeks in the life of Barbie, but still they're <laughs> arguing like they've, ah, I don't know. Chester, please call in again. We, we look forward to your calls because as good stuff made us smile.
0: Well, that'll conclude the on location segment. So this week, the under the dome Honorary guest DJ of the week. I'm going to have to vote for Jim because I think the Borg Queen tie in, and we like to say on the other uh, Amblin television crossover show, Falling Skies, about red shirts. And we have the red shirt obviously <laughs> trying to hang herself this week. So I like the Star Trek tie in. So I'm going to go with Jim this week for the honorary Under the Dome radio DJ of the week. How about you, Sir Wayne?
2: That's a solid choice, Jim. Definitely knows his Star Trek and a kapla to you, Mr. Arrowhead. Jim, that was a great call. I didn't catch it at first, but but of course, there's a different way that I watched this episode the first time through. And then on the second time through, I made a point to really study that very, very last scene. And I think Jim's on to something there. And now that makes me think that when we saw her hand kind of grab that egg in the uh, GoPro footage, that maybe it did look more like an X, less like an X-ray after all, and a little more alien-like. So, Jim, you're onto to something. And be sure to follow Jim all season on Twitter, at Jim Arrowwood2.
0: Well, Comic-Con is upon us. It's going on as we record this podcast, even. The Under the Dome CBS stuff was on Thursday, the same day the episode aired, So we do have some spoilery stuff to share. So if you want to jump off the ship right now here, that's totally cool. We're not going to hold it against you, but uh, just make sure you subscribe to the show. And then, of course, join us in the social sphere. You can get all the details where to find us are at underthedomeradio.com slash 56 for this episode. So if you're leaving, great. Good night. We'll see you next week. But otherwise, Uh,
2: spoiler warning, warning. uh, spoiler warning. This is an Under the Dome radio investigative
3: report.
0: News direct from Comic-Con. A few quick tweets from executive producer Tim Schlattman. We threw a lot of stuff at you with these first two hours of Under the Dome this season. And by the end of the season, you will know everything. What do you think? Yes or no?
2: There's no way we're going to know everything.
0: We still don't know who the guy was that got cut in half in the first episode where his body was on one half of the dome and the other half was on the inside the dome. I want to know that guy's name. Will that be answered at the end of the season?
2: I think there's a lot of things we're not going to find out, and some of them are going to be big things. But, uh, Tim, go. thanks so for uh,
0: you're not going to know. That up. Yeah, you're not going to know everything. You'll know the important things. Get the tweet right. <laughs> also from Tim, uh, Tim says, Proudly, we gave you Barbie's ass this season. His words, not mine. Wow. Got to read the quote. To which Mike Vogel responded, you might have missed it. It was so small. <laughs> <laughs> Got to love these panels. They're so great.
2: Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Somebody actually wasted the time and internet bits to post that as a tweet from the official under the Dome CBS account. Absolutely. That's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, Tim also talked about the role Christine and the type of actress that they needed to, you know, to get in order to play Christine's role and said, so we needed a great actress and we got a great actress on the casting of at Marge Helgen, M-A-R-G-H-E-L-G-E-N. If you're following along on Twitter for season three, I still say, you know, she's a great actress, right? She's playing Christine the way Christine was written. She's doing a great job with it. We might, we might not like Christine's character as an addition to the show, but she's really doing a good job playing this character the way it was designed.
2: So basically, Tim, at the official Under the Dome CBS Twitter account, says we needed a great actress. We got a great actress. And many of us viewers are saying we needed a great character.
0: Exactly. Snap. Snap. Well, then, Marge added herself, um, I have an agenda for Chester's Mill, and I have a plan that I put into motion that I'm trying to get the whole community behind. Oh Things are getting pretty desperate. Oh I boy. refer to this as a kinship. A collective. Oh no, board Queen. Board Queen, there you go. It's <laughs> almost like Jim was tuned into the panel or something. Uh, some people obviously go along and some people don't. Uh, she also commented that an episode currently being filmed in Wilmington, Wood, North Carolina, what's up everyone, down there at Hell's Kitchen watching the show. Uh, so we know that it's closer to the end of the season that they're doing this filming. So she's reading the script and she said, I couldn't believe what... I did, at the end of this episode, I almost started crying reading that portion of the script. So, looks like we'll be in for some interesting stuff down the road here.
2: And the tears could be due to many, many things.
0: Uh, Tim continued on the panel, much like last year, Neil Bear said the same thing. Uh, Body count's going to be going up, but I think this season, the deaths are really going to matter. So, take that as you will. Maybe... Wayne will get his way, and Barbie will be in the tomb. Maybe Aaron Arnett Jr. will get his way, and his theory of Joe dying will come to life. But apparently, we're going to have some hard-hitting deaths this season, according to Tim.
2: Hashtag, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Uh, but with death comes new life, according to Schlatman. Oh, boy. For Barbie, he might want to start thinking about shopping at Toys R Us. No.
2: Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs>
0: And here's what I said when I saw that. I was like, Toys R Us, what about Babies R Us? Are we going to have Rapid Growth Baby? The star child is back in play.
2: No babies, no babies. And we know for a fact there is no children's or even baby supply store in Chester's Mill. And they're trapped under a dome the last time I checked.
0: That's right, that's right. Uh, He could be an uncle, though. You never know. Uh Just because he's shopping at Toys R Us doesn't mean it's his kid. The milkman could have come by. (laughs) Uh, Tim also says that the, uh, in the only way he can, he says, I don't really use this kind of language, but things are going to get bananas
2: (laughs) and not in a good way.
0: Yes. I quote one Gwen Stefani. When I say this stuff is bananas, B a N a N a S. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim finished here. Uh, big Jim has really met his match this season with Christine, the thing that makes him such a foe for Christine is he's a narcissist, but their rivalry will give Julia a new appreciation for Big Jim and could be the key to saving Chester's Mill because this is the one thing we haven't really talked about so much is the fact that you know we thought that Julia was crowned the monarch in season one. Then we had the monarch butterfly kind of letting Barbie see the way at the end of season two. But the only crowning that we saw was when the egg was put on top of Christine's cocoon. So, is that the monarch? And so, I go back to this now thinking, is Julia the monarch after all? And she is the one that needs to save everybody. Kind of like we see her trying to do in the book.
2: I don't know. Mm. (laughs) That makes sense though, Troy.
0: Well, the last thing we'll leave you with is that they said that the fate of humanity may very well rest on... Sorry, Aaron. But Joe might be living, because it all rests on Joe.
2: And it very well may be true that the fate of humanity may rest on Joe, and if Joe is dead, then rest in peace, everybody.
0: That's right, because maybe in order to save humanity, a la Spock going to Star Trek, then he might have to die in order to save the town.
2: Well, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. That's what I've heard.
0: Well, we'll have more from Comic-Con next week once our... Beat on the street, actually get back from San Diego. That's right. Jason from the TV Times 3 podcast was actually able to sit down with Neil, Tim, Marge, Mike, and Mr. Colin Ford himself at a press conference on Thursday. And so he's got some details that he's going to share with us and make sure we share with all of you on next week's episode. So if you want to learn more about the TV Times 3 podcast, which I think you should, then uh, you can head on over to at the TVAHolic kind of fitting that it fits into the show with the support groups, but the uh, the TV-aholic, and then you can follow that on Twitter, but especially check out episodes 214, 250, 261, and 280. Those four episodes are extremely important because you might hear some familiar voices on those episodes.
2: Indeed, you might do that.
0: Now, for next week, Big Jim and Julia join forces to discredit Christine. <laughs> Thursday, July 16th, as they find out more about the Dome's capabilities, entitled Alaska. So clearly we're getting some Interesting. Ac- some Acteon meteor tie-ins here, probably. Uh, Big Jim and Julia form a tentative alliance to search for proof that will discredit Christine, which leads them to new information about the Dome's capabilities. Meanwhile, while tensions run high in town and threaten Christine's leadership, she puts a plan in play. That has deadly consequences. Dun-dun-dun. Wow. And looking at the cast list real quick, everybody's pretty much back, but specifically, one Frank Whaley is back playing Dr. Marston, so uh, Frank's role is not done under the dome. I think he'll be an interesting addition. And, of course, we have Bess Ruse back again playing the Abby DeWitt, so Sam and Abby not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh,
2: Ah... I, the the Sam – I mean, Abby seems okay, but I am so tired of Sam as well as being tired of the Computer Geeky Boy and Dory and Babs. Yeah, I could trim the script down a bit. Well, you actually
0: found out some interesting stuff too about uh, Under the Dome this week that's kind of spoilery in nature. Did you not, Mr. Sir Wayne Henderson?
2: Yes, I did. I don't know if it could be considered spoilery, but of course, the Under the Dome novel being written by Stephen King, who also – wrote the fantastic series of Gunslinger books, the Dark Tower series. You listen to all of those in audiobook form. That's about 130 hours, I believe it was. I re-listened to the entire Dark Tower series over the past few weeks. And then, of course, on Under the Dome in the novel, there's some tie-ins because Stephen King loves to do that. For example, in the Under the Dome novel, the security code for the radio station is 1693, and the sum of these numbers, which is something we were familiar with doing when watching Lost, these numbers add up to 19, a very prominent number in the Dark Tower series, as well as in Stephen King's eleven twenty two sixty three, And in the Under the Dome novel, there's a character named Roger Killian, small-town chicken farmer. He has three sons, and two of them are named Randall and Roland, which are very prominent names in the Dark Tower series, as well as Stephen King utilizes the quote-unquote see-this-well literary device that's also in the Dark Tower series. That's in the Under the Dome novel. And someone, again, with the 19 thing happening, someone takes the bus number 19.
0: Wow, very astute. I'm glad you did the uh, re-listen because, man, I don't know what I would do with 130 hours of my life.
2: (laughs) One time through was enough
0: for me. Holy cow.
2: Oh, no. Dedication. Until the movies of the Dark Tower series come out, I'll probably re-listen to the entire series at least twice more. They are fantastic.
0: They absolutely are. You can check those out. You can even grab yourself uh, your first book. If you don't want to get the Under the Dome novel, then you can grab the Gunslinger with your Audible subscription. Just go ahead and check out Audible for your free 30-day trial. You can get a click right there on the website on the right-hand side
2: you can certainly do that. And one other thing that you can certainly do with summer drawing to a close of sorts this fall, Troy and I are going to be going outside of the dome. We're both hosting the Packers fan podcast this year at packersfanpodcast.com. podcast.com. And you know what we're going to talk about on that show?
0: Uh, not under the dome.
2: No, <laughs> unless it's Except, an
0: away game in Minnesota
2: and they're not even in a dome this year. So this is true. Join us at packersfanpodcast.com. podcast.com. Uh, Stay tuned. What else is happening, Troy? Uh, I
0: think that'll do it, but we want to give a big super-duper shout-out to Krista once again in Okinawa because we are able to keep the podcast running just a little bit longer thanks to a generous tank of propane that was delivered to our front door. So if you like what you hear and enjoy all of the fan feedback and listeners that call in, uh, show them some love, just use the propane tank selection there on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you so much, Krista, for supporting the podcast we greatly appreciate it. And of course, we want to say thanks to all of you for subscribing over the past couple of years. And of course, we need more iTunes ratings from you so that more people can discover what fun we are having here in Chester's Mill. Keep those five Pink Star ratings and reviews flowing. Come on in. Pause the show right now. If you're listening on your iOS device, real simple. Pause it. Leave your review. Come on back. If you're not listening on an uh, iOS device, then just head on over to underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. When you have a chance.
2: And another thing you can do while you're bopping around the internet in uh, different locations is much like Krista in Okinawa, you can help make the show possible with another propane delivery to keep the station running all through the entire season. Like Troy said, go to underthedomeradio.com, right-hand sidebar, pick the size of shipment, because even if we're away from the radio station and it's automated on the weekends or overnight – Come back to uh, the station on Monday morning. There's propane right there on the porch. We'll wheel it back with the dolly and hook it up.
0: And, of course, we love connecting with all of you fellow Domies and Millers. I love that you used Millers this week. It's so much easier than Chester Millions or whatever I was coming up with.
2: (laughs) Yes, it is. It's awesome.
0: Uh, So all of you Millers, head on over to UnderTheDomeRadio.com. All our social links are at the top of the page. Facebook, Twitter, Google+, they're all there. But most importantly, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That's the most important thing. Wherever you get your podcast, be sure to leave a review in those areas too and tell us what you love about the show so more Millers like you can learn about the great community that we've started here in Chester's Mill.
2: And we greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to Under the Dome Radio. Your thoughts and theories, share them at underthedomeradio.com slash feedback to be part of the next episode. And until next time, I'm at Wayne Henderson.
0: And I'm at Troy Heinrichs, avoiding oxytocin-spreading psychiatrists as we stay trapped under the dome. Under the, Dome Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at noodle.mx.